We are continuing in a series we started uh, at the beginning of the month called Songs of the Season. And in case it's your first time with us, here's kind of the premise of the series, taking popular Christmas carols like the one we just heard, pulling a lyric out of them and seeing how these songs that are so familiar and, and so nostalgic for many of us can actually help remind us of who God is, of his heart, of his character, of his love, and and of his son whose birth we celebrate every year at Christmas. And that song, Silent Night, gives us an incredible opportunity to do just that, to be reminded of truth. Sometimes our impressions of who people are doesn't actually turn out to be who they really are. For example, this is Susan Boyle. Not sure if you remember seeing her audition on Britain's Got Talent back in 2009, but she walked out on the stage, and as soon as she came out from behind the curtain, most people already had their mind made up about her. She was too old compared to everybody else. She didn't look good enough compared to everybody else. She was a little too plain. She didn't have the it factor. When she walked out onto that stage of Britain's Got Talent, if you look at the actual audition video, they show shots of the audience and even of the judges kind of shaking their head and rolling their eyes. In fact, when one of the judges asked her what her dream was, she said, I want to be a singer. I want to perform in front of people. There were literally laughs. I mean, audible laughs from everybody. Before she ever got a chance to perform, people already had an impression of who they thought she would be in her mind. But that impression changed as soon as she opened her mouth and started to sing. And she blew people away with her incredible, incredible voice. People were astonished that she had the voice that she had because in their mind, they already figured, ah, she couldn't be that talented. There's no way she could be a singer. In fact, Simon Cowell, one of the judges at the time, said five or 10 years later that Susan Boyle was the definition, the, the problem of judging a book by its cover and how bad that can be. People's impression of who Susan Boyle was didn't actually turn out to be who she was. She exceeded their expectations. Same thing goes for this guy right here, Gordon Ramsay. Many of you are aware of who Gordon Ramsay is. He's a very famous reality TV star, and he's known for basically one thing, his brash personality. He's very harsh, very abrasive. He yells all the time. Most of the time, they're profanity-driven tirades. He has made grown men cry on multiple occasions. But what's interesting about Gordon Ramsay is when the cameras turn off and the shows stop recording, our impression of him turns out to not actually be true. People have said, I've never met him myself, but I've read people who have worked with him, both in a kitchen and just in life. People say that Gordon Ramsay is actually a very kind man. He's very compassionate. He comes across as proud and arrogant, but in reality, he's actually a very humble person. There's one chef I read about this week who worked with Gordon Ramsay, and she told him, Gordon, I'm going to ruin your reputation. And he said, well, how, how in the world are you going to do that? She said, because I'm going to tell everybody you're a big softy. Gordon Ramsay is a, a family guy, loves his kids. In fact, his heart really is, from what I can tell, to really help people along. Everybody who even goes on his shows, I mean, he judges them harshly and, you know, you got to sell ratings, but he actually wants these contestants and people that work for him. He wants to help them 
get better. Our impression of Gordon Ramsay isn't true about who he really is. And I think in light of these two examples and even even other times, we probably have situations in our life when we wrongly judged a book by its cover. I think it brings up an important question for us to ask ourselves today. And that question is this, well, then what is God like? This is something that everybody has an opinion on. And this is a question that every single person has pondered at least once. Every one of us in the room, everybody watching online, I even think this is a question that everybody in civilization, I mean, this is questions that rich and poor, young and old, male, female, no matter what religion it is, no matter what time period people have lived through, this is a question that humanity has asked before. What is God really like? Up until, you know, the last 50 or so years, our, our world was very spiritual. It's, it's gotten a little bit away from that now, but it's just this thing inside of us where we want to know if there is a God, what is he like? What is his character? What is his personality? How does he deal with human beings? And there, there have been all sorts of opinions about this and books written about it, and, you know, major world religions based off this right here. There's, there's not too many things that unite all people across all barriers, but asking this question is certainly one of them. What is God really like? If you if you had to stand up here and give a two-minute talk about the character of God, if you had to write a one-page essay about the character of God, what sorts of, how, how would you do that? What, what sort of terms would you use to describe what God is actually like? If you have artistic ability, how would you paint a picture of God. When you think about this question, what sort of images come in your mind? Artists throughout the years have given us several portrayals of what God looks like. When I look at this picture of God, I don't know what, what comes to mind for you, but when I think of this, I think of a God who's hands off, a God who is distant, a God who is disengaged, God who is old and irrelevant and really doesn't have any meaning in my life. And yeah, maybe he's there. Maybe he's old fashioned and he had some stories about the good old days, you know, and how things used to work. But God, God seems to, I don't know, old and irrelevant to really have any understanding. When, when you try and picture God in your mind, do you picture a God who is hands off from your circumstances, hands off from your troubles, hands off from even understanding what it is that you're going through. He's doing his God thing, but we're just kind of off on our own because this is God. Maybe for some of us, when we think about the question, what is God like? We think more of this, angry, vengeful, scowling, pointing his finger. For whatever reason, maybe it was your upbringing. Maybe for some of us, it's circumstances happening in our life. But when, when we picture God, we just picture someone full of wrath. Somebody who can't wait to pay us back. Somebody who's sitting behind some cosmic Excel spreadsheet, keeping track of all the good things we've done and all the bad things we've done and can't wait to make us pay. Maybe in your mind, you, you don't want to think of God this way, but because of circumstances you're facing, it's, it's just what you're left to. Okay, People tell you God is loving, but how come I'm experiencing whatever in my life? Surely then God must be angry at me or something like that. For some of us, maybe when we picture what God is like, we picture something like this. And to me, this just says nostalgia. This just says tradition. 
Maybe God to you is just locked away in some glass case of religion. You know, it's a very famous portrayal of God. And, and maybe for us, that's it. It's something nice to look at. Something, you know, maybe to be mindful of around Christmas or Easter or something. But God is just, you know, God is, is more religion than anything else. He's not, he's not really active or something like that. For some of us, maybe we think of God as like a magic genie that we got to please the right way or rub the lamp or fold our hands in order to get God to do what we want. For some of us, maybe maybe God is more just like this peace-loving hippie, you know, just let, let it be. Everybody just chill out and love to everybody. Is that, is that God? Maybe for some of us, our picture of God is more like this. Those of you that laugh have seen Monty Python. Where God is almost, you're not even sure if God is real. Maybe he's just hyperbole. Maybe he's a figment of somebody else's imagination. Maybe God isn't even, you know, there. Somebody's just making it up. What, how, if you had to describe what God is like, what would you use? How would, how would you answer that question? I think even for those of us that are Christians, those of us that are believers, even sometimes we have a hard time with this because we have all these different terms for God, Right? He's the creator, he's holy, he's just, he's omniscient, and you know, a million other terms. And, and yeah, God is all of those things, but they don't really help us picture in our mind what his personality is like, what his character is like. Every, every human being basically just forms our opinions based on circumstances, based on events that have happened, based on what people told us, based on maybe religion, and we just give it our best guess and go from there. The, 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 the difficulty in answering this question is really because none of us have ever seen God before. If you have, maybe there's medication for that, okay? So none of us have ever seen God face-to-face. None of us have ever gone out to coffee with him or had a lunch meeting. He's, we've never been able to sit around a campfire and just, you know, one-to-one with God. He's never walked on a talent show stage like Susan Boyle did. And so we, we really only have... If we're asking the question, what is God like? The best we really have is our own opinions. But what if there was another way that we could answer this question? What if there was a way to actually know what God is truly like? You see, the author of Hebrews, it's a, it's a document in the New Testament, tells us we can know this question. He writes this, that the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. The Son, talking about Jesus, radiates God the Father's glory. The Son expresses the character and the heart of God. Other translations of this verse say that the Son is the exact imprint of the Father, the exact, Im- the exact representation of of the character of God. Now, Jesus, the Son, and the Father are not the same person, but they are. Jesus gives us a perfect mirror image of the heart of our Heavenly Father. It's when we look at the Son that we see what God the Father is really like. And here's the cool thing this song, Silent Night, reinforces that. It reminds us of this incredible truth. At the end of Silent Night, the very last verse says this Son of God, Loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face. In Jesus, we see the best picture 
of what the Father is like. It's it's Jesus that shows us the pure love of the Father. In, in another letter, 2 Corinthians, we see that God's glory is seen in the face of Jesus. We, we sing silent night, and I'm, I'm pretty positive the night Jesus was born was not silent at all. But sometimes we just sing it as just this, oh, it's a Christmas carol. No, it's so much more than that. It reminds us of the incredible truth that if we want to know what God is like, we have the perfect answer. We have the sun to look at. So God, God is more than our limited human minds can comprehend, right? He's big, he's infinite, he's vast, he's more glorious than we can conceive. His ways and his thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. But just because we don't know every detail about God doesn't mean that we can't know who God is and what he's like. God's not hiding from us. God's not behind a curtain. God's not waiting at the end of some test. He's not, you know, some puzzle for us to figure out. God is beyond us in nature, but he's not beyond us knowing him. And Jesus talked about this often. I mean, he said all the time, listen, I'm, I'm here on behalf of the Father. Everything I say is, is from the Father. But there's one night, we call it the Last Supper, where Jesus has got his closest friends around and you know, he's just spent the last three years with them, teaching them and training them and doing all sorts of amazing things. And he knows he's about to be arrested in a short time. And so he's just like, listen, here's, here's the Cliff Notes version of everything I've told you in the last three years, okay? The importance of love, the importance of serving others. Don't forget about eternity. And all of these incredibly deep topics, Jesus is reminding, kind of final reminder to his, his friends. And one of his disciples just kind of pipes up and says, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. We don't, I don't know if maybe he said more, just didn't get recorded. But when I read what Philip said here, here's what I hear. Here's my interpretation of what Philip is saying. They're sitting down, you know, probably on the floor and enjoying this last supper together. And, and Philip just pipes up and like, listen, Jesus, um, you, I've heard you tell a lot of parables. I got maybe 25% of what you were talking about. Um, I've seen you do some crazy cool things. Like when, you, when, when Lazarus rose from the dead, that was a good one, Jesus. I've seen you feed thousands of people. I've heard you teach. Like, I've witnessed a lot of stuff in the last three years, but I just want to know one thing. Can you just, can you just show me what God is like? When, when Philip says that question, that's what I hear him saying. Jesus, can you just show me what the Father's like? If you do that, I'll be good. If you do that, I won't ask another question. If you do that, I'll just sit back here content the rest of the day. What I want to know most, Jesus is what is the Father like? I'm so glad Philip asked that question because haven't we all asked that before? What is God really like? And I'm even more grateful at the answer Jesus gives. He replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Listen, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Why, why are you asking me to show him to you? Philip, I, I, I get your question. I understand where you're coming from, but I want you to understand something. I'm right here. If you want to know what the Father is like, look at me. He goes on to say, don't, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? 
Don't you believe that the words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me? Philip, I want to encourage you, just believe, just just see this, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I I think Jesus is trying to get across this point. Hey, Philip, everywhere we've walked, you've been walking with the exact representation of the Father. Every word I've said, I've said because that's what the Father wanted me to say. Philip, I know you want to see what God is like, but guess what? Every miracle I've performed, that's because that's what the Father wanted to do. Every place we've been to, every lesson I've given, if you've seen me, Philip, then you've seen the Father. And the same thing is just as true for us today. Sometimes we have this idea, I'm not sure where it came from, but that that Jesus, God the Son, is somehow different than God the Father. You know, that they're almost opposed to each other, like good cop, bad cop sort of thing, right? There's Jesus and he's nice. The Father, not so sure. There's Jesus, he's calm, but the Father, uh, he seems angry. There's Jesus who's forgiving, but man, I don't even want to go to, like, like somehow Jesus is trying to like appease the Father, like calm down, Dad, it's okay. That's not what Jesus said. That's not how Jesus responded to Philip. That's not what we read in the rest of the gospel accounts or the biographies of Jesus. Certainly not what we see when you read even the rest of of the scripture. He, Jesus, was the exact representation of God. And here's the thing. If something is true about the character or the heart, the personality of Jesus, then it is also true about the Father. And the reverse as well. If something is not true about Jesus, then it is not true of the Father. Again, the Father and the Son have different roles. They have different purposes, but they both have the same divine nature. They both have the same longing. They both share the same will. Jesus shows us what the Father is like. And so rather than Rather than struggling with the question, what is God like? Maybe an easier question for us to answer is this. What is Jesus like? Because although none of us personally walked with him on the earth, we have four eyewitness accounts telling us exactly what Jesus was like. There's many terms and and descriptions we could use that, that he was safe, he was just, he was forgiving, you know, all those sorts of things. We see as we read about Jesus, we also see who Jesus wasn't, that he wasn't angry. He wasn't vengeful. He didn't have favorites, wasn't moody. He was strong. He was driven. He was compassionate. I mean, all these different things. But I think when you look at, at kind of Jesus' life as a whole, there's something to me that just sticks out almost more than anything else. And that is this, that he always desired a relationship with people. And if that describes Jesus, then that means it also describes God the Father. Jesus wanted a relationship with as many people as possible. Now, a lot of people didn't want a relationship with him back, but that never he never closed his arms. His arms were always wide open for anybody to have a relationship with. I think I think so many times we have these these mental blocks in our mind that that cause us to think something that is incorrect about God. 
sometimes we think that, well, God doesn't want a relationship with me because of my behaviors, you know, of something going on in my life. But we see that wasn't true with Jesus. There was a guy named Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, pretty much universally hated by first century Jews just to be avoided at all costs, right? Nobody except other tax collectors wanted to be with Zacchaeus, except Jesus. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he said, hey, you know what? I want to go to your home. Can you, can you invite me to your house? Now, Jesus did not agree with everything that Zacchaeus was doing, okay? It's not like he condoned his behaviors. In fact, at his home, he told him, hey, I want you to do this instead. I want you to, to live a different way. But that didn't prevent Jesus from beginning and wanting, desiring a relationship with him. To go to someone's home for a first century Jewish person to share a meal was like the closest form of non-sexual intimacy possible. To open your home was like saying, I'm opening every part of my life. I want to do life with you in a personal sort of way. When Jesus went to Zacchaeus' home, that's, that's what he was saying. Yeah, I know there's some problems. I know your behaviors aren't necessarily the best, but I still want a relationship with you. Sometimes we think, ah, God, maybe that's true for other, God doesn't want a relationship with me. I've got too many sins. I've got too many issues. No, 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 no. That's the, that's, that's the wrong impression of God. What did Jesus do? What was Jesus like? Because he is the exact representation of God the Father. Regardless of what's going on in our life and our struggles and our sins, God the Father wants a relationship with every one of us. And we know that because that's who Jesus was. Sometimes we think, uh, you know, well, maybe, maybe God doesn't want a relationship with me because I just don't know enough, you know? When you look at Jesus' life, there was one group of people that he would, he would always kind of challenge and confront. They were the religious leaders of his time, and so he would have to correct them often and was, was pretty blunt with them, but not in a want— not in like a push you away sort of sense. Jesus was actually trying to break down some of their barriers and draw them closer to him. He even wanted a relationship with them. There was one night where a Pharisee came to Jesus, a religious leader. His name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus just had some questions. He'd heard Jesus talk, but he just didn't understand it. Things weren't clicking. And, and when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, we see that Jesus is incredibly patient. He takes time to answer his questions. He doesn't expect him to know it all. He doesn't expect him to score 100% on some theology quiz. Regardless of how much or how little we might know, God wants a relationship with us. Regardless of whether you think you know the Bible or not, or whether you think you pray the right way or not, sometimes we assume something about God that isn't true. We can come to God not knowing everything, and guess what? He still wants a relationship with us. For first century Jewish culture, women and children were often overlooked. They weren't, they weren't seen as valuable as men. They didn't have roles of influence the same as men. They, they were often just kind of like, yeah, shh, be quiet sort of thing. But that's not how Jesus treated them. Jesus welcomed women into his his group. They could be disciples. In fact, they had prominent parts in, in the spreading of Christianity. And, and Jesus would welcome little children to him, people that, that is, even his disciples thought, get these little, you know, 
hooligans away. And Jesus is like, no, no, let them come to me. Sometimes we, we tell ourselves, well, I'm, I'm not important enough or I'm not gifted enough or maybe God wants a relationship with some real, you know, A-listers, but I'm, I feel like a B-lister. That's not an accurate view of God the Father. God the Father doesn't want a relationship with us because of our accomplishments or because of our accolades or because we, we look really good to society. God wants a relationship with us because we are his prized creation made in his image, each and every one of us with infinite value in his sight. Our view of ourselves and our view of God may be skewed, but you know what he wants? He wants a relationship with us. Sometimes we think that maybe this isn't true because of failures in our life. You know, I've screwed up too many times. God, maybe he wanted that, you know, two years ago, but eh, if God knew my past two years, he wouldn't. But when we look at how Jesus interacted with Peter, we get a different picture. Peter at the Last Supper told Jesus, I'm with you to the end, buddy. Okay, no matter what happens, come hell or high water, even if it means death, Jesus, I'm with you. Then just a few hours later, denied him three times, even once to a teenage girl. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame that Peter must have felt? Here, I just promised, promised Jesus that I was going to be with him. I couldn't even, couldn't even make it a couple hours. There's no way he's going to want to be with me anymore. Maybe he'll stick around with the other guys, but I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go back to fishing. I'm going to go back to what I was doing before, Jesus, because I'm, I'm too much of a failure. He doesn't want a relationship with me anymore. But yet, how did Jesus respond? Not in that way at all. Towards the end of John's gospel, we see Jesus going up to Peter and saying, I want to bring you back in. I know this happened, but you know what? I've got a role for you. I've got a place for you. I want to continue to be with you. And you know what? If that's true about Jesus, then that is also true about the Father, regardless of how many times we've failed God. Regardless of how many broken promises we've got towards God, his heart towards us doesn't change. How can we know that? Because the Son expresses the very character of God. Our doubts don't change God's desire to have a relationship with us. Thomas proved that. He said, I'm not going to believe Jesus rose unless I see the holes in his hands. And what did Jesus do? Boom, here they are. I want a relationship with you. Our circumstances don't tell us anything having to do with this. You know, sometimes we think, well, well, if God wanted a relationship with me, then why am I going through struggle? Those two are so disconnected from each other. When Jesus saw crowds of people and the pain they were going through, his heart was filled with compassion. He didn't pull away from problems. Instead, he wanted to press in even closer. The, God's, God's love is shown to us in such incredible ways through Jesus. In Romans, we read this from the Apostle Paul. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. His heart towards us, his desire to be with us, there is nothing that can get away in the way of that. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell are going to change God's heart to want to be with us, can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God 
Here's the key point that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Maybe our impression of God isn't correct. Maybe we've got the wrong idea about who God really is and what his character is like. If we want to know the answer to the age-old question, what is God like? Good thing we have Silent Night to remind us of that incredible truth, along with the Bible. To, to remind us that the Son of God is love's pure light, a pure reflection of the love of the Father. We see that in Jesus. We don't have to question that anymore. We know. We see in Jesus that it, this, this radiance beams from his face, the radiance and the glory of God. If we want to know what God is like, we can see a picture in Jesus and we can see that we have a good father, a loving heavenly father, a father who is on our side, a father who is patient, a father who more than anything else wants to be with us. In fact, when Jesus was born, it says you, the, the, the prophecy says we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, God who desires a relationship with us. The Apostle John was Jesus' best friend when he was here on this earth. Spent the most time with him, sitting right next to him often, you know, was, was standing at the cross while Jesus was being crucified, was the first one back into the tomb after Jesus rose from the dead. And towards the end of John's life, he writes a letter. And at the end of that letter, he says this, we know that the Son of God, this is just, we are, we are confident of this. I've seen it with my own lives. I've reflected on it over the years. We know that the Son of God has come, and what has he done? He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God, really know what he's like, have that question finally answered. And when we've got that answer, when that's solved, man, now we can live in fellowship, in relationship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who shows us what God is really like, and more than anything else, he reveals that God wants a relationship with every one of us. And so what if, what if this Christmas season, what if every time we hear Silent Night, what if, what if as we prepare and celebrate Christmas this year, what if we just return the favor? God wants a relationship with us, but what if you and I started to build our relationship even more so with him? Whether that's starting a relationship for the first time, whether that's building the relationship stronger than it's been, whether that's just enjoying the relationship more, talking to God, sitting in his presence, reading his word, worshiping him because of how great and how awesome he is, because we've got a better picture of who he is and what he's like, encouraging one another to do the same. Man, I think what, what could possibly be better than that? I'm not sure anything, and that is exactly what God wants. He desires a relationship with us.